Usually on every trip, I do try and force Ray to do something touristy. (laughs) Howdy and welcome to this episode of Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like podcast. This is a series of conversations with artists, singer-songwriters about their current projects and industry people about some of the current trends. The program is hosted and produced by myself, Bruce Swan. The podcast will endeavor to be a bridge from the weekly live concert series to the weekly radio show. While unaffiliated, they are connected with a sharing of the same name, Music My Mother Would Not Like. And you can find more information about the weekly series and the radio programs at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. The radio show can be heard live on WSFM LP 103.3 FM, Asheville, North Carolina. And it can also be heard live on AshevilleFM.org. The programs are archived for two weeks on the website as well. The program airs on Mondays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The weekly music series with the same name can be heard and seen on Zoom and Facebook. You can get more information on the website and on my Facebook page with the same name, musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. Registration for the series is always free. It is a donation-based event, and that's how we pay the artists. These podcasts will vary in length, and many of the episodes will come from interviews conducted live in the radio station, studios, or via telephone, and now via Zoom. Nothing was ever taken out of context and may be updated if it's possible and appropriate. The opinions expressed will be those of the speakers and not necessarily of any of the radio stations that I have been lucky enough to be affiliated with over the years, its owners, staff, or boards of directors. You can support this project directly through the website's PayPal account. In time, there will be a Patreon account that will have heads up on articles, interviews, etc. And if you're digging what you're listening to, please tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show and get a shout out, let me know in the comments section of PayPal. Please remember to indicate that you are sending a donation as a gift to a friend. In the comments sections, you can let me know where you're listening from. I will never use your last name unless you say it's okay to do so. Any little bit helps. And if I've learned anything from my years in community radio, that lots of things can get done with the help of many. Little hands make big projects, and it's always great to have you help chip in a little. Think about the cost of a cup of coffee at your local favorite spot, and maybe, just maybe, you're listening while you're sipping along. I'm glad to be keeping company with you, whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it. My big thanks to the sponsors of the programming at Conversations That Music My Mother Would Not Like. We currently enjoy the benefits of being connected with and sponsored by hearitthere.com and undiscoveredmusic.net.
Over the years, I've had the opportunity to get to know many musicians and industry people. The musicians are often the band's principal singer, or in the case of a singer-songwriter, the only person the conversation is with and about. I've also been privileged to get to know other radio personalities, directors of festivals, owners of venues, record promoters, and producers. Many of the conversations were to promote a single event, like a local concert, or a discussion about a new album with a deep dive into that project. I find that sometimes, as a listener, knowing a little bit more about that artist as a person makes going to the concert just that much more interesting. It really does for me. That that takes a little bit of probing. Conversations are just about as much as listening as they are about talking. Would your business, your firm, your company, your project like to meet other cool people like yourself? Maybe you'd like to become a sponsor of the program here at Music My Mother Would Not Like. Working with other people that share common interest is the key to getting things done. You can write to me directly at musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. Go to the contact section and I'll get back to you as fast as possible. This episode of Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like is a bit of a departure from the previous episodes, and for that reason, it will be distinguished with the title number 000, The Black Feathers, 2022 North American Tour and New Record. For the uninitiated, The Black Feathers are a husband and wife duo from UK, now living in Wales with their aging dog, Lukey. Their music is unlike any other. Influence includes everything the two have ever heard, which includes old ballads, early music, punk rock, into whatever was recorded yesterday. They have one foot in the past, one in the present, and an eye to the future. A live performance will feature the two singers and one guitar, but if you close your eyes and open your ears, you will see a full band. No sorcery, but warm vocals, rich harmonies, beautiful guitar work. Sean Chandler and Ray Hughes are the Black Feathers. They will be touring North America with their first gig on Thursday, April 28th on the West Coast. More information about this tour and their fantastic website at theblackfeathers.com. In this podcast, we talk about the new record, the worries and excitement of a two-part tour that will last seven months, and Breakfast in America. Parts of the podcast were used as part of a promotional interview with snippets of their music, and if you've heard that, you might find some of this redundant. The interview was conducted on a sunny on a Sunday evening, Easter Sunday. It was cold and rainy with Sean and Ray as they were completing lots of last-minute preparations for this extensive tour. Dates will be added, so keep an eye on their tour schedule. It will be kept up to date at theblackfeathers.com. And by way of a brief background, the two have been married and making music together for about 10 years. Their discography includes several EPs, a live recording, and two LPs. The new record will be released in July of this calendar year, and you can look forward to an update of the podcast when the record release date gets a little bit closer. We're joined via Zoom with the Black Feathers, and we're talking about the exciting upcoming North American tour. It's going to be in two legs, pre- predominantly the West Coast and the West East Coast, with a, with a gap in the center for a quick return back to the UK for some promised dates. And there's so much things that are so many things on on the horizon that that must be really exciting. Certainly, the, the, the national tour, the new record that sets to release in July of uh, 2022, and the, the the back to the UK tour in the middle. Welcome to uh, to the show. It's good to be chatting with Ray Hughes and Sean Chandler. You know them as the Black Feathers. Welcome you to and um, Happy Easter because we're not quite yet on the airplane and and sort of leading up to this. Hey Bruce, how we doing? 
We're doing good, you know, and and so much work has been put into this tour. We'll chat a little bit about what the record is going to be like and what the tour is going to be like. So let's let's jump into this and and talk a little bit about it. The tour will begin Thursday, April 28th in the Los Angeles area and then run up the West Coast. And then towards the end of June, you've got some festival dates, which are very, very exciting. And are, is there any trepidations for the two of you? Are there concerns that you have about touring again, about what it's going to be like in terms of actually getting out and performing in front of lots of people, lots of nights in a row? I'm sure there's been a couple of one-off dates over the last two years. But are there any any fears about sort of getting back on stage and, and just the logistics of travel? It has been a long time. <laughs> it's going to be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> But um, yeah, like we've done two shows in two years, and like you know, we're gonna do like twenty-five in two months. That's yeah. pretty insane. So yeah, I I don't know what's gonna happen. I think maybe maybe it w- it'd be worth coming along just to <laughs> just to see what does happen. Come to every show, you can see the fear in our eyes slowly disappear. Or over getting the even more intense. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I know that before show half of you like to be kind of quiet and the other half is, is very gregarious. And then and then perhaps the, the other sides overlap as, as the show progresses and as the evening progresses. Are, are there concerns about travel in itself, about the actual pandemic? Do you feel comfortable that the precautions that the hosts and the venue presenters are, are putting in place for you? Or are you are you really worried that, that this is, is not really behind us? I mean, it's it's never going to be behind us, really, is it? I mean, it's going to be around for a, forever. So yeah, I mean, the vaccine is the major thing. Like you know, we've been vaccinated. There's not not really much more we can do. We right. have to get back out there at some point, and but, now's the time and best to do it in the sun, right? Exactly. I'm not looking forward to the airport. That's the only thing that's kind of, that's filling me with dread. But, you know. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that's that's the sort of the hotbed. Um, it's where all all points converge, and oh, it's not it's not even anything to do with COVID. It's just people, <laughs> <laughs> people in there breathing. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you can do the sets from the green room, and they can be broadcasted <laughs> out to the audience. Maybe that maybe could... we could just get like a couple of diving suits or something, <laughs> <laughs> just to be like extra. They'll have windows in them, oh, yeah. so they can see the fear in our eyes. <laughs> Well, you are are two seasoned, battle-hardened musicians, so I'm I'm not so worried so much. But um, will you be taking any other additional precautions in in your travels? I think probably going to not kiss anyone other than each other. (laughs) That would probably be safe, isn't it? Well, there, you know, and, and you, you touch on, a, on, a, on an important aspect of the folk Americana house concert series, that it is a very hugging, kissing, uh, uh, yeah. touchy-feely group of people, you know, without getting weird. But it, it is it is a it's the nature of folk music, though, is to be to, to be very close to one another, to have concerts that are, are very intimate and very small settings and maybe, you know, crowding as close as one can possibly get without being in the face of the musicians and still being able to enjoy the music. It's just the nature of it, as opposed to, you know, driving in your limousine on on backstage and getting out and getting right on stage and getting back in the limousine. You know, it's just those (laughs) things just don't happen too often in in the folk world. Yeah, we could drive a like helicopter, (laughs) come in through a skylight and then leave again. Impressive. Well, I I think you certainly deserve the helicopter. Um, (laughs) 
Why the desire to do this tour in two parts? I know you've got the UK dates in the middle. Were those dates that had been always scheduled or have these been added on? And just, is it, you know, was there a method to the madness or was it just how it fell into place? I think it's a madness to the method. It's a, it's a funny, it's Ray a, promised me a month off. It's a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> we hadn't, we hadn't really expected that the UK tour would come together just because we hadn't, we left it quite late to start booking it and we just figured people are rebooking artists that they'd cancelled over the last couple of years. They would prioritise that. And we didn't know when we would have a finished album. And yeah, they just all came together. Our agent sent out a few feelers, see if we could, if anybody was interested. And we just got a whole bunch of responses and we've managed to line it all up. And it's, yeah, it's going to be not a month off. I think a lot of people <laughs> thought that we'd move to the US. Because <laughs> yeah. I guess they haven't really heard much from us in the last two years and then kind of gone online and just seen the colossal amount of dates that we had and just assumed that we'd move. So <laughs> perhaps we're more desirable now in the UK. <laughs> yes. Now that we don't live there. We're elusive. Well, it's fear of loss, you know, they, they may never come back and this promised <laughs> yeah. month off may be um, extended a, a bit. So... Yeah, so basically what what happened was that now, like, we're pretty, we get back and then we have a show two days later and then it doesn't stop until we leave again. <laughs> and then it doesn't stop until we come back. So, you know, it's great. <laughs> Sounds well, good for me. It's worked out. It'll work out well. I think it'll work out beautifully for for fans on on both sides of uh, North America as well as both sides of, of the pond. Now you've announced most of the dates. I know on your website. Uh, blackfeathers.com that there's a great tour map of where you're going to be and lots of pinpoints on on the west coast for the first of the tour and lots of pinpoints on the second half of the tour on the east coast are there possibilities for any other dates that might be announced between now and then for either east coast or west coast there's always possibilities i think there's a few more in the pipeline mm -hmm. um and there's still a few open dates in in june uh, and then in, in, by in, in through the summer and into November, I think there's still a few open dates on both sides. So anybody wants a wants a little show. Yeah, Ray doesn't like me having time off. So <laughs> get in there. I don't want you to get used to that. It's no good. <laughs> I promised you a month. I just didn't say what year that month would come. <laughs> yeah. so until then. But that's good. So um, then you are open to adding other dates if, if it just so works oh, out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Here at There.com is an online arts publication that supports the arts and culture of the New York City tri-state area with concentrations in the Hudson Valley and Western Connecticut. Intelligent, well-written blog columns about music and the arts can be found on the site hearitthere.com, written out H-E-A-R-I-T-T-H-E-R-E.com. Check it out and consider marketing your upcoming events on hearitthere.com. I do. To, to the extent that you now get any dates off, how do you like to spend your time? Are you those that just sort of like to hibernate because you, you have the day off? Are you people that on tour, when you see the signs that you must see this, you pull over and go look at it? Or are there, do you just like to sort of pick up on the vibe of the town that you're in? We're the worst tourists ever. We are pretty terrible. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we tend to just kind of hibernate. We'll, we'll find 
a small town with like a try and find an old an old schoolie an old ye oldie in and uh yeah just hide away for a couple of days two or three days if we can maybe take usually in. on every trip i do try and force ray to do something touristy <laughs> like uh hmm we did uh, we did niagara, niagara falls, falls a little while back yeah which which I mean, side the I mean, uh, u.s side or the canadian yeah, the side? US US side. side okay We've heard it's not as impressive as the Canadian side, but who am I to judge? That's the way we tell the story. They tell it a little bit differently. Yeah. I think it goes back to that 5th of July thing, you know, is or the 4th of July. Do you, do you have the 4th of July in the UK? And, and of course you do, but you don't perhaps celebrate it the same same way. No, quite. It's lesser significance, I'm sure. So... I understand that Sean has a particular fancy for breakfast, and it seems uh, with specific interest to eggs. And you've, you've talked a little bit about that on on some of the podcasts I've heard, as well as some of the the showcase or the streaming showcases that you've done in in the past two years. Can can you flesh that out, or what, what's the background on the American interest or interest of American preparation of eggs? Well, I'm just pretty impressed that you get a choice yeah. about what eggs you want. Like, the very first time we were in America, uh, the lady came over and she said, how would you like your eggs? It felt like I was in a movie. <laughs> and I, the, the only thing I could think of was to say over easy because I heard that in a movie once. I had no idea what it meant <laughs> because in England it is literally like your eggs just get thrown at you, basically. Just I'd like egg and it just arrives. It could be in any any yeah. state. Cho- choice is, a, is not a thing you get in the UK uh, and we first discovered this when we went in we were in we were in New Jersey and we arrived at a, a well-known donut uh, retailer who <laughs> shall remain nameless and we were pretty jet-lagged as well we, we were jet-lagged it was early we wanted some breakfast and we were just like oh I'll have a, a, a smoked salmon bagel or something and I was like what kind of bagel would you like we were, uh, one of the round ones round ones I don't know <laughs> bagel and it was like, oh, what kind of, do you want butter? It was like, what the fuck did they just make me a bagel? We were so tired as well. And like, this was our first impression of America. And we were having nervous breakdowns just trying to choose a bagel. <laughs> it was just quite, it was like option after option. It was like, my God, this but is so like complicated. Now. now we're used to it. Yeah. It's like, give me, give me those options. So if I visited you and we went to breakfast and I said, they said, what would you like for for?" For breakfast, and I said eggs. Mm-hmm. Some of the so well, sometimes you'll just get some fried eggs will just arrive. Other times you would get the option of fried, scrambled. If you're really lucky, you might get poached. But the thing is, even if you tell them what you want, it might not necessarily arrive. <laughs> like that. It's like I don't know. It just seems like eggs should be just such a basic thing that people should know how to do. And in America, it is. It's just like, of course, I know how to do every style of egg imaginable. But in England, it's just like just a runny yolk is just a big problem. <laughs> so now that you've mastered the and, and you know what all the words mean, what what is your preference? To, to eggs. I to be honest, I never moved on from over easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's just so good. Yeah, see for me, I like them um, very specific cooked very specifically, and that is to fry them, break the yolk, and cook the hell out of them. Cook them to within the smallest of increment to non recognition. I don't think you can trust a man that does you that. can really go off people, you know that, Bruce. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's not good to know too much about anybody. (laughs) 
undiscoveredmusic.net, has something for everybody involved in seeing, playing, and hosting live music. It is a very well-organized website designed to help you find musicians to play at your venue, what venue the artists are playing at, and when. So if you are a music buyer, player, or watcher, in person or virtual, check out undiscoveredmusic.net. Say, I know we were talking about the upcoming tour and, and the thought about thinking about that might be crazy at this point because you've not even left for the first leg. But is there conversation about touring in 23, maybe hitting some of the markets that you were unable to get or maybe being able to get to different segments or different cities within the, the tour plan as it, as it is in the upcoming years? Yeah, we've not really thought that far ahead. We're considering a little spring tour in like February, March, maybe, maybe, but it's all a bit. We just got to survive this one. Yes, yeah. let's get the West Coast out of the way and then see how we feel about it. <laughs> right. Well, I think one of the things that's just simply not understood by by us as presenters and as Americans in general is that it is no small task to get all the proper paperwork in place and to get permissions to tour. And the advance and lead time is so extensive that it's difficult to, to, to really flesh out a tour until you have the visa. And so your, your visa expires, what, basically one year after, after issuance. And yeah. so that's, that was uh, one of the things. And I think that that's really something that, that is difficult for us as Americans that really don't tour or, or travel as much, let alone to come into the United States to, to, to do business. So it's, 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 it's not it's a, a very task. strange, it's a very strange situation, actually, because I mean, well, a lot of people, if, you, if you're just an individual traveling, you get a different type of visa, which can be extended and all this kind of thing. And that's great. But for us as a as a duo, because we're, we're a band, we need a different category of visa. And that can only last for a maximum period of one year. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get a new one and it's the same process all over again. And as you say, we have to have all the shows booked in advance before we can apply for the visa. And then you look at you look at it the other way around for American musicians coming to the UK you don't need a visa for a, a 30 day trip, which will cover you for the for a UK tour, no problem. You just need a certificate of sponsorship, costs not a lot, you're good to go. And it's, yeah, yeah it's really frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. Just got to get on with it. Yeah, and, and, I, and I certainly appreciate you know, you know, the, the, the attitude towards it, because for me, it would be very frustrating, I think, to, to have that logistical challenge and the confines. And so therefore, I think, you know, if, if presenters are reading between the lines, let's start thinking a little bit towards the possibility of a spring tour and what markets you'd like to be looking at and, and how we can flesh it out. Because this, this run, I think, is a very ambitious run of now, I think it's up to 50 plus dates um oh yeah it's, it's, a, it's wonderful it's a beast <laughs> yeah but uh, you know those people that want to see the black feathers this, this is not a, a band that comes to town every six months this is a band that comes to to the u.s um every couple of years so hey let's do chat a little bit about what it's like working together as husband and wife and couple are, are there divisions um and what i mean by that is are you able to sort of turn off the black feathers and turn on the family life or does does because this is what you do that the two just kind of run together all the time it it can be very difficult to find the line um they do tend to kind of bleed into each other a little bit and sometimes that's really good and other times it's really bad because you know we don't have our own trailers and that's (laughs) you know that's that can be an issue (laughs) right we're husband and wife we're not the everly brothers (laughs) exactly Yeah. yeah i think the whole kind of 
pandemic forced pause was pretty interesting because I guess it's the first time that we kind of essentially had separate lives in the same room together. <laughs> yeah, we were like a, a traditional, a, a couple in the traditional sense for the first time. Usually we'd be, you know, we'd, we'd go, we'd be rehearsing or we'd be in the car driving the next, the next gig or whatever. Because it's always there, right? Yeah. Just always talking about the next thing or where we're headed or what we need to do. So yeah, for the first time we would, we were just a couple we living together we weren't working on the tour we weren't working on artwork we weren't you know it was like the first i know a lot of musicians found inspiration when they when when the first lockdowns uh, came about but we very much did not we were it kind of head in hands despairing well no, i think we thing. despaired at different times so <laughs> yeah. that worked out quite well to drag yeah. the other along but no that's a good point i think that because of pandemic because of the advice of, of isolation and the practicality of it, you know, that it's just the right thing to do, that it does make it difficult to turn off the day-to-day -day work. And, it, and um, you know, artists I've spoken to, I said, did you find, did you find art inspirational? Did you find it difficult to get to back to your art? Did you, did you wish you had known that it was going to be two years at the onset? Would you, would you have spent your time a little bit differently? Or was it really a salvation? And, and the, what was interesting for me is really the, uh, the gamut. Most people said, yes, I wish I had known that it was going to be a finite two years. I wouldn't have believed it, but I would have, I might have done a couple of things differently. Others said that they were paralyzed, that they were unable to, mm. to be productive and creative. They felt guilty. They felt incapable. They felt, um, paralysis for for inspiration and others said no man this was this was my rock this was my salvation if i didn't have my art i would have i would have gone off the deep end for sure i know i know i i mean i had a breakdown when uh when we played our last show we were in massachusetts in rockport massachusetts when we played our last show and i was in tears in the back room after the show just like oh god three months of shows gone no idea when we're going to get back to it and that that feeling didn't leave me for a good three or four months. Yeah, yeah. I guess part of it was kind of like a, a grieving for the, the tour that never was. Like we'd worked really hard with our agents and and uh, just, just, just to get it going. And it was going to be the first time we made any money. <laughs> well, yeah, the tour was robust. And I know that yeah. in some cases you were doubling up dates for the same night. And then the phone calls started coming. Um, That's right. We had a, a really rough time getting back as well. We couldn't, because we were, we were due to fly out three months later, mm -hmm. our airline wouldn't, wouldn't move the flight. They wouldn't get us out of the US and back to the UK until the UK government decided they were locking down and then they, would, they got us on the next flight out, but we didn't know what we were doing. So it required the, the UK to say, you can't, <laughs> after the state, you're not coming back, that, that all of a sudden then things got moving in the right direction? Yeah. Wow. yeah, and, and, and we, we were in limbo. We were like, we've, we've got no income and we've got to go live in a, get, basically go live in Nashville with no money for yeah. an, in, an, an unknown amount of time. Mm. It was, it was Scary. horrible. Yeah. yeah, it was horrible. Free programming is not cheap to produce, and if you'd like to support this type of independent podcast, you can make a donation at musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. You will have my gratitude and appreciation. Well, let's let's move optimistically forward. <laughs> um, and 
the the new record as i as i saw the note that you posted up on facebook that you had not only achieved your goals for the crowdfunding but you'd crushed them you'd succeeded your goals how 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 great must that have felt or you i don't know how must have but you can tell me exactly how great it, it felt yeah it's great to have have the support our fans have, have always been amazing we've crowdfunded a few records now and they've just always got us over the finish line and got the record made and we wouldn't be doing this without them yeah it's it's awesome that a whole bunch of people will trust us enough to not deliver them something that they'll hate you <laughs> well, know touch wood, touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's 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 been great and the, the the recording process was a lot of fun um we recorded in a converted chapel in pembrokeshire had just some fantastic musicians come and play electric guitar, drums, Hammond organ, all sorts of, all sorts of fun stuff, and it was great. I had a great time doing it, and we're really, really excited about the, the finished product. Yeah, like I think that was exactly the time at which the the clouds started to lift. I think where we both kind of remembered why, why we want to do this, and yeah, it was awesome, really good. We are getting a little bit ahead, but that's okay. Let's let's work into it. So tell us a little bit about what's different about this record that we're looking forward to experiencing in July of 2022, this calendar year. So we're about, uh, what, seven months, plus or minus a couple of days from release, which I'm looking forward to hearing. The title will be Angel Dust and Cyanide. Talk a little bit, if you can, about some of the additional sounds that you have employed in the record and how you've brought those in and maybe why you have added the other, not only instruments, but by some of the people that you've brought in, because I think you could probably play some of the instruments yourself, right? Well, <laughs> to a great maybe not as well, extent. but... Uh, <laughs> well, it's July, right? It's July, so we're three, we're three, we're three months out. Let's not drag it out any longer than you need to. That'd be that'd be great. Um, yeah, we just we just really wanted to make we wanted to put whatever needed whatever the song needed on the on, whatever the song needed to make it. Um, yeah, we just we wanted to you know give the songs their a, a chance to to breathe and communicate the message in the best way possible. And I know not everybody feels this way, but for for, for us, um, a guitar and two vocals by themselves. On a recording don't do that well enough uh, it's different when you're in the room with it then it's a whole has a whole other ball game but we we, we feel that the dynamics of a, a band arrangement work better in some circumstances so we just really wanted to in, explore that and see what happened really just have a bit of fun with it yeah like sometimes kind of when we when we do a song there's there's quite an intensity about it when we do it live and it's like how you translate that is just really difficult on a recording so yeah we we just use other instruments to to communicate that really mm. cuz your performances are unbelievable with the, with two voices and a guitar it's it, i don't want to say it's more than enough or it is only enough it is what it is but it is it is incredible that there is not more instrumentation or more vocals and and you're thinking wow two people one guitar okay maybe there's two guitars but they're not playing both of them at the same time <laughs> so it, it the sound is just phenomenal and and i was planning on getting onto this a little bit later on in the interview but i've for me the dynamics between the two of you has always been a huge part of the show not just the banter or the conversation back and forth but and and we've chatted about this online and offline over the years, it's your ability to allow each of you 
to service the song the best without getting in each other's way or feeling awkward about the fact that you're not doing anything. There's, there's lots of singer-songwriters and, and duos where the, the person who's not active in that particular moment feels awkward and uncomfortable and kind of gets in the way of the project or the process. But the two of you have somehow fashioned a way to continue to service the song to, to its fullest, but not get in each other's way except for, you know, perhaps where the harmony was. And is that something that, that you have been conscious about or just sort of evolved? That's a difficult question. I, I would say evolved. Yeah, I, I think it's just something that we've always tried to do and something maybe we've just gotten we're just aware of a bit more subconsciously maybe yeah maybe that and i think ray knows better than to get in my way <laughs> yeah no I, I i i don't think we've ever kind of fully understood what it is that people perceive in our performances and i don't think we ever will uh, i know we, we like we've been to to the various folk alliance conferences and it's always been so well received and we're just like yeah but what about what about those guys and what about these these guys are amazing what like what are we doing that's any better mm -hmm. to what they're doing and i i don't think i'll ever understand it i'm grateful that you know people can pick up on on that uh maybe maybe I'm, we're just not we're just not capable of we're too close to it we're not capable of seeing it uh, maybe it's not definable i mean from from an okay. observer standpoint i think that it's clear that there's enough respect for the two of you that you work towards the middle and and it's always about servicing the song it's not about individual credits you know you're not you're not a baseball player looking for <laughs> the most hits in a game you're looking for for the i think for the greatest functionality and the greatest presentation yeah, of, of the Sorry. song <laughs> this song is all about me she so is the next one even if i'm not singing it she doesn't sing harmony you know that right <laughs> sing every line like you're the only one singing <laughs> Some some instruction and inspiration for uh, the <laughs> listeners alike. Well, let's 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 open up another can of worms and potential problems, and that's in the area of collaboration. Do each of you bring separate songs? Do each of you write separate songs, or do do you parse out the parts of of a particular song? So let's take any song in particular where you've both either contributed, or do do you both bring more or less finished ideas to to a, a song or to 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 the other person? Well, we work in very different ways. Usually we'll have a guitar part to start with, like just a just a very rough outline, just a simple chord progression to, to work from. I tend to work on everything kind of in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, next time I'm at, a, I'm at the studio, I'll record it down and see how it is. Whereas Shan likes to explore. Yeah, I'm definitely a doer. <laughs> so... Like, you can see how these two styles don't really work very well together. <laughs> um, so we spent a lot of years, basically, just... Uh, we'd be in separate studios across town. Um, Ema emailing, emailing stuff back and songs. forth. I mean, like, 99.9% .9 of the time, Ray will come up with the guitar part. Occasionally, very occasionally, I've come up with a guitar part, which then Ray makes better <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm quite fortunate really that he he always gives me a chance to to get my ideas down and then we'll kind of basically fight about whose is better 
and <laughs> and sometimes they work together really well sometimes we're thinking along the same kind of lines so yeah we both get to be creative and then we kind of pull it apart which I think is kind of, there's never really my songs and your songs. No, no, absolutely not. It's, it's our songs very much. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that in the creative process that it can be, it can be possessive. It can be difficult to take criticism from, from your working partner and suggestions and advice. I, I know that when I write a piece and I give it to someone to edit, I, I don't, really want to see it afterwards I, I don't you know once once I've done once I've put out my two cents and once you've changed it yeah it's my name on the byline but I it's not it's not just mine anymore um and and I try not to get into it too much or take it too personally because I've said please edit this and 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 fix my mistakes or find them and fix them but I think that art is is so much it's so much more difficult uh it's, I, I would imagine that it's much more difficult to separate yourself from it because for for me writing comes reasonably easy you know the more time i'm willing to commit to it the, the the better i think i can make it but once it's done it's done and i don't i don't view it as an art piece i don't view it as anything that's going to be um more than just read once or listened to once so i, well, think, I think when that, we first uh, when we first have our individual ideas we can be quite protective and kind of precious over them but then like a few days later you'll you'll be able to you know you start to see you start to see things a bit more clearly you're going to go oh actually that's really nice. That's really nice. Maybe these two bits could work together. That bit's rubbish. Throw it out, you know. And you get you get to be a little bit more critical of your own your own work when you have something to compare it to. Well, would make- you say at that point it then becomes a band song that once you've once you've let it go from your from your personal objectivity or inobjectivity, inobject- <laughs> yeah. it, it it then becomes a band song, and then 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 it's a little bit easier to yeah. sort out yeah, the parts. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it is. To. I'm definitely prone to a bit of sulking <laughs> i think that's where the whole kind of relationship thing comes in you know like i'll sleep on the sofa tonight darling. don't worry <laughs> i would definitely have a bit of a sulk but then yeah as ray says you kind of when you've removed yourself away from it a bit you kind of realize that yeah and is... but then it, it then you 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 see it seems like it becomes yours again in a, in a new way mm-hmm. you start working on it as as our song rather than my song or her song you know and, and it's it becomes it becomes a different thing and you it, you become precious of it again you know yeah. it's it's a strange process it's it's probably not very traditional um, but it works for us and you know i wouldn't recommend uh, it <laughs> well no I, I know a lot of bands that are very much collaborative or that there's a principal songwriter that the principal songwriter will come with an idea and say okay we now we need to build the music around this other bands are completely collaborative and it's been the demise of some bands that have said when when one of the band members has brought a song said no i'm not asking you what you think of it i'm telling you what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. in this particular song and it, it, it can cause some some major schisms in bands and you know we've all re- we've all read our history books when it comes to, to rock and roll Absolutely. as to what can can happen you don't want to be um, a f- you know, nose I think... that i'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah uh I want to go back to a little bit of the, of the harmonizing and or raise support thereof of the songs. But if, for me, when I close my eyes and I'm listening to, to a Black Feathers performance, I always hear more than what I'm seeing. And is that is that something that 
other people have shared with you or oh yeah have, yeah have said, you know, we we hear it a lot and 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 once again it's it's very hard for us to understand i guess we've never been in the room with us if you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but we've certainly like, like when we went to see the civil wars for example we it felt like that you know so i we know what you, we know what you mean but i don't know why it happens or how it happens or or if it happens <laughs> well i can assure you it happens because uh, it does for me so so therefore it must be i, I don't know uh, but uh, maybe maybe, but maybe it's we, your madness <laughs> yes. i think maybe that's how we approach our records that we we feel that there is something we can hear something in the song but we want it to actually mm -hmm. be there if you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so no i, I agree yeah, so we, maybe have a, we have a lot of strings going on strings. on the next record, which is like, yeah, I mean, strings are just beautiful, right? Am I, I think so. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and one of the, for me, when I go to, to a show and the artists are not on the stage yet and, and their instruments are out, and you see a cello, and you think, oh, this is going to be, <laughs> yeah. this is gonna be really, be really special. Everyone's going to be crying in like 10 minutes. Yeah, pass out the Kleenex. This is a good time to... to <laughs> <laughs> get the vendor some some kleenex and and the first time i heard it i thought i didn't come here for cello man i came here for rock and roll and it was just absolutely breathtaking so that the the instrumentation can i think f help flesh out the songs and help punctuate maybe some of the emotions that you're trying to uh characterize through the characters in the song or whatever do you ever have interest in going back and I don't want to say fixing a song but reworking a song are you artists that sort of put out a song and say okay this is it, you know, this is the way I wrote it. This is the way it's intended. And and I know that, for example, Led Zeppelin used to do Stairway to Heaven in a, in a, in a wide variety of genres. They could do it, um, you know, I don't know, everything from reggae to, to very slow blues to very hard, loud, long, jammed out rock and roll. But Sometimes they never really- all of them in the same set with Led Zeppelin, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get to the right show. <laughs> the right melange of, um, pre-concert festivities it, it, it was reproducible but um is there ever is there ever desire to rework a, a track or you know when it's done it's done that's just the way it is and well, i think in, in terms of live performance i think the tracks kind of the songs kind of evolve over time and we don't even notice it's only mm -hmm. when we go back to the original recording and go oh oh we don't we, we changed that that doesn't go that doesn't that used to go like that what <laughs> yeah and it's quite strange how like we phrase something different but together like how yeah. do we gradually do that together it's, like, <laughs> it's kind of odd but I don't, I don't think we have any conscious in, intent or even desire i think to go back to old songs and revisit them and i mean i don't know it feels like a kind of a, a capturing a space and time with with songs you know i like I like to think about records like that. I'm not trying to go for perfection or anything or the best possible way that it could ever be presented. It's just like this This was this moment. This is what happened. I think I'd be this point. much more interested in handing somebody the stems from the session and saying, here, make your version of this song. Add what you want. Take away what you want. Do, a, do your version. He says he'd okay. be happy now. I didn't say I'd be happy. I said he'd be interested. <laughs> Interesting. Very, very carefully said. Which is no assurity of happiness. Maybe it's just should, interesting. Maybe we should do like a competition. <laughs> oh. See who can make Ray the unhappiest. <laughs> oh, no. I think the happiest is much more optimistic. I want to go back to a little bit of the, of the harmonizing and or 
raise support thereof of the songs. But if, for me, when I close my eyes and I'm listening to to a Black Feathers performance, I always hear more than what I'm seeing. And is that is that something that other people have shared with you or oh yeah have, yeah have said, you know, we we hear it a lot and 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 once again it's it's very hard for us to understand. I guess we've never been in the room with us, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but we've certainly like like when we went to see the Civil Wars, for example, we it felt like that, you know. So I we know what you, we know what you mean, but I don't know why it happens or how it happens or or if it happens. <laughs> well, I can assure you it happens because uh, it does for me. So so therefore it must be. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe, but, maybe just we, your madness. <laughs> yes. I think maybe that's how we approach our records. That we we. Feel that there is something we can hear something in the song, but we want it to actually mm -hmm. be there. If you know what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So no, I, I agree. Yeah, so we, maybe have a, we have a lot of strings going of strings. on the next record, which is like, yeah, I mean, strings are just beautiful, right? Am I, I think so. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And and one of the for me, when I go to, to a show and the artists are not on the stage yet and, and their instruments are out and you see a cello, you think, oh, this is going to be, <laughs> yeah. this is gonna be really, be really special. Everyone's going to be crying in like 10 minutes. Yeah, pass out the Kleenex. This is a good time to, to <laughs> get the vendor some, some Kleenex. And, and the first time I heard it, I thought, I didn't come here for cello, man. I came here for rock and roll. And it was just absolutely breathtaking. So the, the, the instrumentation can, I think, help flesh out the songs and help punctuate maybe some of the emotions that you're trying to uh, characterize through the characters in the song or whatever. Do you ever have interest in going back and, I don't want to say fixing a song, but reworking a song? Are you artists that sort of put out a song and say, okay, this is it? You know, this is the way I wrote it. This is the way it's intended. And and I know that, for example, Led Zeppelin used to do Stairway to Heaven in a, in a, in a wide variety of genres. They could do it, um, you know, I don't know, everything from reggae to, to very slow blues to very hard, loud, long, jammed out rock and roll. But Sometimes they never really... them in the same set with Led Zeppelin, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get to the right show. <laughs> the right melange of... Um, pre-concert festivities it, it, it was reproducible but um is there ever is there ever desire to rework a, a track or you know when it's done it's done that's just the way it is and well, i think in, in terms of live performance i think the tracks kind of the songs kind of evolve over time and we don't even notice it's only mm -hmm. when we go back to the original recording and go oh oh we don't we, we changed that that doesn't go that doesn't that used to go like that what <laughs> yeah and it's quite strange how like we phrase something different but together like how yeah. do we gradually do that together it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of odd but I don't, I don't think we have any conscious in, intent or even desire i think to go back to old songs and revisit them and i mean i don't know it feels like a kind of a, a capturing a space and time with with songs you know i like I like to think about records like that. I'm not trying to go for perfection or anything or the best possible way that it could ever be presented. It's just like this This was this moment. This is what happened. I think I'd be this point. much more interested in handing somebody the stems from the session and saying, here, make your version of this song. Add what you want. Take away what you want. Do, a, do your version. He says he'd okay. be happy now. I didn't say I'd be happy. He said he'd be interested. <laughs> 
<laughs> Interesting. <laughs> very, very carefully said. <laughs> Which is no assurity of happiness. Maybe it's just should, interesting. Maybe we should do like a competition. <laughs> oh. See who can make Ray the unhappiest. <laughs> oh, no. I think the happiest is much more optimistic. This was the eighth episode of the podcast series entitled Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like. You can get more information about the weekly radio shows and the weekly stream series at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. My thanks to Sean Chandler and Ray Hughes, the Black Feathers, for making some time for this conversation. I've seen this duo perform several times. They're dynamic, funny, talented, and a whole lot more. If you have an opportunity to see them, please take it. You will not be disappointed. Much more information about the duo, about the upcoming tour dates, and the added dates can be found at theblackfeathers.com. Big thanks to our sponsors here at there.com and undiscoveredmusic.net. And finally, thank you to all of you that have kept up listening and helping me spread the word about these podcasts. So until next time, don't take any wooden nickels and so long for now.